Psalm 39, a psalm of David. I said, I will take heed to my ways, that I sin not with my tongue. I will keep my mouth with a bridle, while the wicked is before me. I was dumb with silence, I held my peace, even from good, and my sorrow was stirred. My heart was hot within me, while I was musing, the fire burned. Then spake I with my tongue, Lord, make me to know mine end and the measure of my days, what it is, that I may know how frail I am. Behold, thou hast made my days as an handbreadth, and mine age is as nothing before thee. Verily, every man at his best state is altogether vanity. Selah. Surely every man walketh in a vain show. Surely they are disquieted in vain. He heapeth up riches, and knoweth not who shall gather them. And now, Lord, what wait I for? My hope is in Thee. Deliver me from all my transgressions. Make me not the reproach of the foolish. I was dumb. I opened not my mouth, because Thou didst it. Remove Thy stroke away from me. I am consumed by the blow of Thine hand. When Thou with rebukes dost correct man for iniquity, Thou makest his beauty to consume away like a moth. Surely every man is vanity. Selah. Hear my prayer, O Lord, and give ear unto my cry. Hold not thy peace at my tears, for I am a stranger with thee, and a sojourner, as all my fathers were. O spare me, that I may recover strength before I go hence, and be no more. 18th century evangelist George Whitfield says that it is needful for believers to be humble, talk little, think, and pray much. Be humble, talk little, think, and pray much. And this quote of George Whitfield's is not only full of practical godly wisdom, As we assess the words of David in this psalm, we find that it accurately summarizes how David is responding to his troubles. As the wicked are before David, causing his heart to be hot within him, as we read in verse 3, we find that he responds to his feelings of grief, impatience, anger, and frustration in the way George Whitfield counsels all Christians to do. In this psalm, we find David striving to be humble, striving to be careful regarding what he says with his mouth, and striving to pray and think much about God. And through David's example, God provides us with practical lessons regarding how we should live our lives before God and others when we find ourselves hurting. So that being said, the title I've given to this evening's study is Wisdom for the Wounded or Help for the Hurting. So let me ask you this evening, have you ever been where David has been? Have you ever felt what David has felt? Have you ever become heated as you see the wicked prospering while the righteous are persecuted? Have you ever become troubled in thought regarding why 
God would allow certain people to attack you in various ways. Have you ever been impatient with others who are accusing you of things that you are not guilty of? Have you ever been the victim of malicious, false accusations? If so, you know, like David, that such things cause us a real internal hurt. And you know that such instances trigger us to become impatient, upset, resentful, and even emotionally heated. And this is where David is at in the psalm. In this psalm, David's feelings are stirred. He is aggravated and he is bothered because of the evil that was being done personally to him. In a very real way, David is suffering and is doing everything he knows to do to respond to his sufferings in a way that pleases God. And this is where I want to focus our attention this evening. I want to focus our attention on David's resolute and prayerful response to his troubles. Similar to what we looked at Sunday morning in the book of 1 Peter, as Peter speaks to his hearers regarding how to respond to suffering in a Christ-like, God-honoring way. So we find here in Psalm 39, God through David giving us more practical application regarding how we can respond to our troubles in a Christ-like, God-honoring way. And beginning in verses 1 through 3, I want you to notice in our first point, David's resolve. David's resolve. And specifically, David's resolve to be watchful regarding what he says during his time of trouble. Notice it again. David says, beginning in verse 1, I said, I will take heed to my ways, that I sin not with my tongue. I will keep my mouth with a bridle while the wicked is before me. I was dumb with silence. I held my peace even from good, and my sorrow was stirred. My heart was hot within me while I was musing the fire burned. Then spake I with my tongue. Do you see David's desire? In the midst of his fiery trial, as his emotions were worked up, as we say, he wants to make sure that he doesn't say anything foolish or sinful. David knows that if he is not careful to control his tongue, that he might say something that he will regret later, or perhaps he might say something that could be misunderstood or distorted by his enemies. And this response of David is a wise and godly response that all of us need to strive to mimic in our own lives. In fact, David's resolve to be attentive regarding the words he speaks is something God's Word counsels us to do constantly. Which means then that controlling and guarding our tongue is no small matter to God. The need for a sanctified tongue is an important component of growing in Christ-likeness. Just think for a moment of the numerous times God mentions in His Word 
the importance of our words. In the book of Proverbs, the topic of the tongue, the topic of our speech and conversation is one of the most frequently mentioned subjects. Solomon, the preacher, the wisest man who ever lived, wants us to learn something about how we should use our tongue. In the book of Job, we learn through Job's accusers that if we are not careful of what we say in our times of suffering, that others can and will use what we say against us. Remember, Job was in a time of great trial, great suffering, and his, quote, friends, his, quote, counselors coming to him, came accusing him of being guilty of sin, pointing their finger at Job, calling him self-righteous, questioning his faith in God. Now, Job did articulate something of a complaint to God. And we would too if we were in a situation. But we need to be careful of what we say even during those difficult times because others are listening and others may take what we say out of context and use it against us. In James chapter 3, the Apostle James tells us that our tongue is a fire, a world of iniquity, an unruly evil, something that is full of deadly poison. In our study through 1 Peter, we have come across several instances of Peter exhorting his readers to keep their tongues from evil in the midst of their trials and troubles. Yes, they live in a world where ungodly, unjust leaders abound. Yes, some of them are servants of unjust masters. Some of them are married to unsaved spouses. But Peter expects them to use their words aright. And now David here in this psalm and throughout the entirety of the psalms is highlighting the fact that God's people need to prayerfully resolve in their heart to constantly take heed to their ways so that they do not sin with their tongues. I don't think I need to convince you of the fact that our Tongues are capable of getting us into a lot of trouble. Or do I? Proverbs tells us life and death are in the power of the tongue. What we say has the ability to honor God or ruin our testimony. Relationships are built or destroyed through words that we speak. Which means then that we better be careful to think before we say. We better do everything we can to make sure that our words are carefully chosen. We better make sure that we are prayerful and careful regarding what we say when others are attacking us. And we better be resolved to use gentle, loving words in our conversations with others rather than hard and hurtful words. It would be wise of us to pray the prayer of David in Psalm 141, verse 3. Set a watch, O Lord, before my mouth. Keep the door of my lips. And sometimes when we are heated, 
Sometimes when we are troubled, when we're bothered, when we're worked up by the foolish things people say and do, it's better just to be silent like David in verse 2. Sometimes it is better just to smile and remain silent when others attack. So how does David respond to his suffering? First, we see in this psalm, he responds by being resolved to keep his mouth. And let me remind you that no man will grow in Christ-likeness. No man will become more and more holy unless he's resolved, unless he's committed, unless he's willing to make decisions and work at things he needs to work at. We need to make choices in the Christian life. And David is saying, by the grace of God, I want my mouth, I want my words to be pure in the sight of God and others, even when the pressure is coming on. Sometimes in pressure, we're like a tea kettle that just wants to explode. You've heard the expression, well, I'm going to give them a piece of my mind. I'm going to give them my two sins. That's not David. Remember Psalm 19, let the words of my mouth the meditation of my heart, be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord. David responds by being resolved to keep his mouth. Second, we find that David is prayerful. If you're taking notes, point number two is David's request. We see David's resolve and then David's request, verses four through six. Lord, make me to know mine end and the measure of my days, what it is that I may know how frail I am. Behold, thou hast made my days as an handbreadth, and mine age is as nothing before thee. Verily, every man at his best state is altogether vanity. Selah. Surely every man walketh in a vain show. Surely they are disquieted in vain. He heapeth up riches and knoweth not who shall gather them. Now don't forget, we are still considering how we can be wise when we are wounded. We're considering practical helps during times of personal hurt. We're talking about how we can work out our faith when we are worked up in our feelings. We're there every week, are we not? So how does David respond to his troubles? Well, he prays. And did you notice exactly what he prays for? I'll help you out. He doesn't pray for personal comfort. He doesn't pray for his troubles to be taken away. He doesn't even pray for vengeance upon his enemies. He prays that God would teach him how frail and how weak he is. He prays that God would remind him of his littleness. He prays that God would cause him to know how short life is. Now, why do you suppose David prays this way? Well, I'm convinced David prays this way so that he might stay humble before God. Remember, humility is the chief grace of the Christian life. God resists the proud. He gives grace to the humble. Remember, he hath called thee. He hath showed thee, O man, what is good and what the Lord require of thee. What does he require? He requires that we walk humbly before him. David wants to remain humble before the Lord. 
I mean, think about it. As one author that I came across notes, David was a champion. David was an accomplished special forces warrior. David was a godly leader. David was a skilled poet. David was a musical genius. And above all, David was a king of God's chosen nation. If anybody might be tempted to think more highly of himself, surely it was David. If anyone might be tempted to say, don't you realize how important I am? Surely it was David. So David prays, Lord, teach me how weak I am. Teach me how fragile my life is. Remind me that my life is but a vapor. It's here but for a time. I only have so much time to live for the Lord on earth. I only have so many opportunities to be a witness for your name. Lord, keep me low so that I do not become proud in my sufferings. And listen, even in our sufferings, our pride can swell up. Even in the midst of our troubles, being overconfident in ourselves can trip us up. Sometimes when we meet with various trials and troubles, we say to ourselves, well, we can handle this ourselves. We've dealt with it before. We can figure out the solution. We're pretty smart. We can take care of the situation in our own strength. Or sometimes when we meet with various trials and troubles, we become so absorbed in that which is physical that we forget that which is most important, that is to live in a way that honors Christ. So David, not wanting to be wise in his own conceits, And being aware that he needs to view his troubles in the light of eternity, prays and he prays asking God to teach him how weak he is and how short life is. Remember the quote, only one life will soon be passed and only what's done for Christ shall last. What is your life? It's even a vapor that appears for a little time and vanishes away. Your obituary may be written next week. You may not make it to October. 2023 may be the final year you see. Teach us. Oh Lord, how weak we are. You are the sovereign one before you. We are just worms. We think we're invincible. We think we can figure life out on our own. Lord, show us how foolish we are so that we might rely on your wisdom. Show us how short life is. It's here for a moment in God. We can't boast ourselves of tomorrow for we do not know what a day may bring forth. Lord, help us to live in this eternal perspective while everybody else is running the rat race of life, living as if they have decades to live, help us to remember that we are living on the doorstep of eternity. Eternal perspective. 
That's what we need in times of suffering. That's what we need at all times. Remember what George Whitfield says? He says, be humble. Talk little. Think and pray much. And in this second point, we find David desiring to be humble. And then tied in with the second response is the third response, which is David's reliance. David's reliance. So in verses 1 through 3, we find David's resolve. In verses 4 through 6, we have David's request. And then in verses 7 through 13, we have David's reliance. Verse 7, And now, Lord, what wait I for? My hope is in Thee. And then following verse 7, we read of David asking God to deliver him, spare him, and hear his prayer. So in relation to George Whitfield's counsel, in verses 7 through 13, David is thinking and he is praying much. Be humble, talk little, think and pray much. Pray without ceasing. And what is David thinking? He is thinking that if he is going to be a victorious soldier of Christ in the midst of the war that he is in, he needs God to fight his battles for him. That's what he's thinking. Oh, yes, he's a trained warrior, but he knows the enemy is strong. Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, seeketh whom he may devour. David is thinking that he has nowhere else to turn for comfort, strength, encouragement, guidance, and help than God. So David's reliance, illustrated in verses 7 through 13, provides us with a great lesson on what we should do in our trials, in our troubles, and in our suffering. What do we do? We ought to hope in God. What does this mean? It means that we ought to seek happiness not in our circumstances, but in God Himself. And we looked at this last Sunday morning in our Sunday school class. Despite what's going on in our lives, we ought to learn to be content in Christ. To be content in Him. To be fully satisfied in our Savior. We ought to look to the hills from whence come our help. We ought to keep our eyes focused and fixed on the author and finisher of our faith as we run the race of faith. We ought to rest in the fact that God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in our times of trouble. My hope, David says, is in thee. My confidence, my trust is in God. So let me ask you this evening, are you suffering in any way? Is your faith being tried? Are your feelings being stirred by the evil actions of others? If so, learn from David and be resolved to watch what you say when the fires of affliction heat up. Learn from David and remind yourself that during such times, we need God to help us to respond to our trials In the light of eternity. And then learn from David to roll your problems on him, resting fully in his care. Cast your burden upon the Lord, and he shall sustain thee. He will never suffer the righteous to be moved. 
casting all your care upon him, for he careth for you. Be humble. Talk little. Think and pray much. And during your times of suffering, remember, you need to focus on yourself more than others. You can't change others. You can't change how they live. But you can change yourself. So as we go to prayer now, in prayer, let's ask God, individually, collectively, to guard our mouths. And really that prayer to guard our mouths is a prayer to guard our hearts. Because Jesus said, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Keep thy heart with all diligence, because out of it are the issues of life. So, Lord, keep my heart, purify my heart. If your heart is pure, your mouth will be pure. If your heart is holy, your words will be holy. So it's not just a problem with your tongue, it's a problem with your heart. What are you exposing your heart to? And then in prayer, remember to ask God to teach you how frail you are. Look to the heavens tonight and say, what is man that you are mindful of? Who am I among billions of people? I think I'm so important. I think I'm the master of the universe. I'm not. Teach me, Lord, how frail, how weak I am so that I can confide in your strength. And then teach me how short life is. We only have so much time to seek the Lord and to serve Him. And then in prayer, let's pray that God would help us to hope in Him alone. Help us to find our satisfaction in Jesus Christ and only Jesus Christ. Nothing else. Not other people. Not in our luxury. Not in our comfort. But God Himself. Help for the hurting, wisdom for the wounded.